Well, good evening. And my camera's blurry. Things are going well. It's a Wednesday edition. The humidity must be quite high right now. Dad, why is the humidity so high? You need to speak or something while I attempt to fix it. Uh, okay. Um, I will attempt to try to give you a weather forecast as to why. Oh, anyway, welcome to New Mexico Rising Wednesday edition. Hey. Is it going to work? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna right, go anyway, I'll just keep going. Yeah. So we are net. We 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 now have a podcast that we will then post shortly after this is done on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and as well as iTunes, the dreaded iTunes. Please like, share, and subscribe on those, or subscribe and give us a review, particularly on iTunes, because it was kind of a pain to get us on iTunes. We are also now on Rumble. So after the show you will we will upload to rumble where you will see us but in the meanwhile we're still on facebook and uh yeah give us some love on the youtube page as well as we go live are you situated now sean uh you know i think it's as good as it's gonna get yeah you know life is sometimes you know how instagram let's just get after it let's just get after it time's wasting our inaugural guests brett coconitis welcome back sir hey good to be back good to see both of you yeah, you, you, you apparently you had a problem with your beard. You want to talk about that at all? On <laughs> Wednesday edition, beard trimmer, trimmer slipped. I mean, what are you gonna do? Can't walk around with divots on your face. So good news though, Sean is it'll yes. all grow back in a few days. You know that is the the good news. That's also part of the pain. And while we talk about things that are growing back, let's just talk about this thing with KOAT. And, and I know we were excited because we were like, finally, finally, New Mexico's number one at something or in the top five. They reported that we were number five, you know, the safest state when it comes to coronavirus. But upon review of the, su- the study they cited, it appears here. I was up here on number one. Let me scroll down. Uh, they've actually got us ranked at 32. So I think that's a little bit of a false. Let's see what this uh, kid so wait a minute. Are you talking? So you're talking about this one, right? Yeah, I'm talking about that. Okay. So which one? Which one are we number five? Which one do we actually have a ranking here? Well, it looks like we're just number thirty-two. Yeah. Right? No. Wait a minute. Yeah. So I'm not, so sure. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, fake news, bro. Fake news. Thirty-two. Okay. So what is this very, very, very silly um, <laughs> wallet hub survey telling us? Yeah. Well, I think this is just par for the course and what we've seen through the entire COVID pandemic. I mean, recently the CDC and this administration has said that New Mexico is ranked number one in the nation for vaccinations by dosage. When if you look at some of the reports that are coming out cited directly from the CDC, New Mexico received 2.4 million doses of the various vaccinations and we administrated 2.44 million. 400,000 more doses were given than reported as received in the state of New Mexico. Are you are you insinuating malfeasance in the numbers when it comes to COVID-19? As well, if- <laughs> it's election time. We, we have to you know continue to build the narrative. The lockdowns uh, as of July 1st have ended in New Mexico, but we're already seeing in mainstream media, on social media, that because of the uh, Delta variant, that more states are starting to talk about implementing more lockdowns. We've had LA County implement mask mandates 
the governor of Illinois has hinted to reinstating some of the lockdowns we're seeing it in other countries too. I think right now the governor is going to be reserved on that issue because she's trying to build a positive vibe because she's running for re-election. So we're going to see some of these numbers. I think, I don't want to say that they're uh, on purpose, but we're going to use them to our benefit and skew as much data as possible to make New Mexico look like it's performing better. We see that in the COVID statistics, the vaccination statistics, and now we're seeing it in economic statistics that are coming out from her administration. Sure. I mean, I think she just paints it the way she wants it to be all of the time. Well, yeah, she's also the poster child or poster woman for a governor that did it right, right? Remember the narrative. Remember the narrative. Oh, well, Biden administration didn't want her. So, well, we, we, this is the only, the only way I was really rooting for the Biden administration was the fact that she was actually on a short list for cabinet level position. (laughs) They took Deb Holland instead. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a wash. Well, Well, you know, I, I don't know what we expect exactly out of all of that. This is what she does. It's just what she does. It's what they all do. I watched our, our friend and great president Biden this evening for a little bit, and he was reminding everybody that there's a pandemic amongst the young unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know what's oh, you know what's another good narrative about the unvaccinated is most of them were minorities. <laughs> Well, we're seeing more and more people, you know, in the reports, in the media, saying that they received the vaccination and they are amongst those that are being hospitalized. And I understand that vaccination doesn't guarantee that you're not going to contract COVID or or any other illness for that matter. Uh, But you're supposed to have some, you know, uh, pre-manufactured immunity that's supposed to make your immune response to these infections more robust and swift. So, if the vaccinations are working so expeditiously, why are we still seeing uh, hospitalizations? Among that that is the key because you can see cases, right? Cause we we're, we're on that. Finally, we're on that. We're back on that paper chase of cases, but now that was the numbers were always hospitalizations. And I'm very curious. I'm sorry. I'm not curious. I'm fascinated about the fact that, a lot of people who have received it, you know, granted, it's a small percentage, but it's a percentage nonetheless are being hospitalized. Be exact, most in some places, most of the hospitalizations are from people who have received a dose. Now, granted, we don't have stratification on that data based on age, but one would have to maybe ponder that it's better to receive full spectrum immunity by virtue of surviving a asymptomatic infection or an infection nonetheless than it would be to do so. This is why antibody testing has always been something that has been advocated by a lot of people, but yet that that narrative vanished very quickly. We needed to test and we needed antibody tests. This was in the early days because we needed to know how long this had been there, how many people have been infected or being infected, who's our, you know, let's, let's get data. We never did that. Well, I mean, did you guys watch uh, the press secretary Saki talk about how the Biden administration and White House are now essentially censoring and directing what should or should not appear on the various social media platforms? They they admitted that they have a direct tool and direct line to Facebook to basically take down posts or recommend that Facebook take down posts. And this, of course, is an unspoken threat. Uh, for Facebook to cooperate with the administration because of the big tech rhetoric and different initiatives. But going back to New Mexico, more importantly, what we need to start talking about is the economy. 
you know, there, there's been some posts coming out here. There, there was an issue that was brought up uh, by a city worker in Santa Fe that received their paycheck and, yeah, received, and received it as a uh, chargeback notice from their bank saying that the funds were not sufficient. The governor is out there, uh, you know, touting all this economic development and how none of the startups uh, in New Mexico really suffered that much. Well, being a startup guy myself, you got to look at are these startups pre-revenue? Meaning they're they're not generating revenue yet. They're they're still in the development and incubation stage. But she'll tout some of these large, uh, big companies coming in at taxpayer expense, including the most recent Blue Halo, uh, which I believe was already here, but said that they're going to add another 64 jobs uh, at the cost to taxpayers of two, almost two and a half million dollars because of the funds that they're receiving from uh, the state Lita Fund and Albuquerque Economic Development Department. Uh, this, you know, yeah, this is a weird one to me because I do, first of all, I don't understand. I can go into a long diatribe about Space Force. Anyway, but the simple fact of the matter is, why do we need to throw money at these people? We have a very vibrant, um, basically, support infrastructure for space systems here at Kirtland. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that DOD should have paid for. The only... Thing, the only reason I would see the city even getting involved is just to get out of the way and let the company come. But what are we, how many jobs are we going to get? There's already 64. what? 64. 64 okay. additional jobs. They are, you know, higher paying jobs. They claim at 90,000 per year. Uh, it will, they claim it'll have about a $3 billion economic impact over the next 10 years. Uh, you know, those figures are fictitious until they're real, exactly. you know, but the, the, the real issue that we got to look at is where we were pre-COVID, uh, pre-Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. And when you look at the SBA, you know, the statistics where we had over 156,000 small businesses, which made up about 340,000 jobs in the state of New Mexico. And, you know, since uh, the COVID recovery process has gone in. New Mexico is rated as one of the highest in unemployment with the most recent numbers at 8.4% 8, unemployment, uh, you know, from Workforce Solution. That's over 80,000 New Mexicans that are still on the unemployment system. In well, January, you we're think at, the thinking alongside of that is, you know, let's just play devil's advocate here where they go, well, it's been wrecked so much. And quite frankly, a lot of people have left and may not be returning. And they say, okay, well, that ship has sailed, kind of like my camera. Well, what we got to look at, though, too, is, you know, New Mexico got about $1.75 billion from the feds for recovery. The legislature, the people who represent us as citizens and constituents, had a plan about how those funds were going to be utilized in New Mexico for the recovery. The governor basically said that she didn't want to listen to the legislature. She didn't have to. Uh, the Republican caucus went and asked for an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary session, actually first asked for a special session, which was declined and couldn't get by enough bipartisan support. So essentially, the governor has a blank checkbook to spend federal money that's supposed to be going into uh, the economies, into our small businesses, into the hands of New Mexicans to help in this recovery. And just like we've seen in her reckless spending uh, as a governor, you know, she's using these funds at her own discretion for whatever programs she sees fit. It'll be yeah. very interesting to see if uh, the CEO of Blue Halo, which I thought was kind of funny, his name is Jonathan Moneymaker. Can't make this up. 
Yeah. And that, <laughs> you know, so we'll, we'll have to monitor the uh, campaign finance information system to see if uh, <laughs> Mr. Moneymaker appears on any of her CFIS reports here. And yeah, stress this. Yeah, stress this, Brett. The federal government money that has been handed out in really a lot of different tranches with all these stimuluses for the last year and a half, like we the, we haven't spent that money down. It's just sitting there as a slush fund for governors in particular, our governor specifically. We didn't spend all that money. I mean, there's still money on the book in allocation and, and there will still be appropriations going going forward for years to come coming from the federal government. And so like, you know, so if small businesses who are sitting here trying to fight for leader funds, which I found it very, very interesting that this this company was able to grab leader funds pretty easily. I can tell you as someone who has looked into the process, it's kind of arduous. And yeah, I, I, I find it fascinating where they they there's just certain industries in this state that would probably aid in this recovery that we could get back on track very quickly that aren't as, you know, chic. Um, I th I'm thinking fossil fuel industry and any of the support industries with that. They have their favorites. They're going to throw money at whoever comes here and um, get 64 jobs in the, you know, you know, 64 jobs, 10 jobs here, five jobs here in the process. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's the most frustrating thing I could possibly have seen. And the fact that she didn't get in the fact that she ignored her own legislature, which she, she basically controls from a party standpoint. It's just proving that these governors have just gotten, I don't know, authoritarian is kind of worn out, man. I think just craven, you know, drunk on their own power. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's really substantial. And, and Sorry. they, no, that's all right. You know, and they'll come back and they'll say that, oh, we're having this great economic recovery. We're adding this many jobs, but they forget that they destroyed the economy. So it's not really, it's kind of a, wash it's long not time. a recovery. Like, you know, my kid said tonight, he said that, uh, it's like you fall down and you stand back up and you say you're growing. <laughs> ah, the wisdom of children. You know, sometimes. Sometimes they kind of, like, sometimes they say the right things. You know, you also have to look at the LIDA funds. LIDA funds are, are a important and helpful tool for the state when used appropriately. But in the past, we've had state representatives' families receiving absorbent amounts of money from LIDA to start their own businesses right here in Santa Fe. You know, you got to ask the question, why? You know, are they that brilliant of a business uh, individual that they're going to be able to just, you know, create something monstrous out of that investment? Likely not. You know, chances are those people are getting those funds because they know how the system works. They know the context that manage that system. Uh, they're misappropriating those funds. Same thing in the state auditor's office. We had another issue with the attorney general, you know, doing stuff with PNM. Oh, yeah. uh, the state auditor has come out and said, oh, no, Michelle Grisham is, you know, absolutely uh, in the right on how she's used her money. So you, you basically have, uh, you know, potentially these uh bad actors policing other bad actors potentially so it's just it's it's not a good story for new mexico that's why this session this this upcoming election session or cycle i should say is really important because it's not just about going after michelle lujan grisham you know you guys mentioned in the post we have a pack called stop mlg go to the website sign the petition get on our list for events and activities but it's also more important that we take control of the the house because whether she wins election 
the re-election or not, uh, the House is what's going to be able to control what happens in the future in New Mexico. I think people forget that often. Yeah, I think we. Ha I think sometimes there's this myopic focus on national elections. I'm hoping with these, uh, with this CRT battle and these other things that are going on in a 33 county tour and all this, and all these kind of encroachments going on. I think I hope people start uh, actually focusing on their local um, elections, their local legislatures, their local uh, representatives, and stuff like that. But it's going to be kind of hard to keep a check on these people if they're just going to use signal to do their nefarious apps. Uh, so I guess Luhan Grisham's staff have private messaging apps on their work cell phones, not on a personal cell phone. So, is it, so if you're going to do your notorious dirt, then yeah, use your own personal cell phones and stuff like that. You know, FYI for someone who, you know, likes to keep his stuff on a DL, but like on, on government, phones so they're basically using and uh i think they're saying what are they using whatsapp for end-to-end -end encryption i know whatsapp naturally has end-to-end -end encryption um i don't know the, the, john the, the, you just gotta the, drop this in here man what's going on with this yeah i don't think i don't think the issue is necessarily encryption you know encryption is just a matter of security what what the real issue here is if, for example in signal the one app that they were using in cyfd the issue is that they set disappearing messages yeah which means that those messages are yeah. automatically deleted those features are not enabled on any of those applications by default so those settings had to be turned on and i believe the other report indicated that they were instructed to enable that feature i could be wrong on that but you know, being the the government is is uh, you know when we look at it from a perspective of technology is an enterprise level uh, you know environment. Chances are they're already using tools like Teams and Outlook and things that already would provide other secure messaging systems or other systems like Slack. You know, these are common technologies that are used in most workplaces. And a lot of those systems that are out there already have compliance mechanisms for data retention and discovery process for compliance with Sox Bosley and, and ISO and all those other stuff. Yeah. And the, yeah. So the, ultimately, it's a question of, again, if you want to keep your, you know, keep an eye on what's going on local to home, it's good to have transparency. This makes it a little tougher. And particularly if they're using state government enterprise resources, they have to be in compliance so that, yeah, for data retention standpoints and stuff like that, certain types of deliberations need to be uh, available to the public via some whatever mechanism we have in the state for FOIA requests. And this is designed, in my opinion, to basically circumvent all of that. Yeah, there's a couple things, and we have some experience in this with, with her administration as it is. Uh, so when we file an Inspection of Public Records Act request, that's the mechanism which we use to request information that's public from the government, it goes technically to a custodian of record. And these are typically published on the department's website directly. So we filed, I believe, back in March, an IPA request in regards to the governor's travel records. And we received back some various uh, communications saying that it was very burdensome. And you know, when you hear burdensome, you're thinking, well, we're going to get a truckload of data back from your office and you need more time to compile it. We ended up getting a few receipts, which included uh, some receipts to Walmart. Um, 
but no travel records. Was, she getting, the mind, wa- was she getting the Wagyu beef on sale at the Walmart? <laughs> no. Well, okay. Keep in mind, travel, travel is any type of travel, whether it's, you know, air travel or, you know, private right. travel in the state. There's expenses that have to be reported back to the Department of Finance from her office for administration. Back during her campaign, she told the Las Cruces Sun News that she wanted to have the most responsive, most transparent government and make filing IPRAs, you know, very easy and open to the public. That's not the case. We ended up filing a lawsuit in the first district court. And part of their rebuttal initially was that we did not file the request, the IPRA request with the custodian of record. Well, that that's an invalid argument because the website specifically provides the email address of where you submit that request. And that's exactly where we submitted it. So we're appealing that court's decision uh, and, and hopefully get them to be compelled to, to produce these records. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. So what, I, yeah, <laughs> it, it just seems to me that the institutions that we use to battle these people, the institutions that we're using to battle the institution or the establishment are, just are just turned against you, right? They 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 weasel out of all this stuff. I mean, what's that's a technicality, right? And it come to find out, you know, based on what you've described, a technicality that isn't even valid, but it ties you up in the institution of the courts. Um, because they're stalling. I mean, that's literally what it looks. I mean, that's not literally that's not actually it's actually what I think is happening. And so that it's hard to hold these people accountable when they, I don't know obfuscate their messaging, uh, launch campaigns of lawfare that basically make it eat or, or bog you down in bureaucratic malaise. It almost makes me want to drink. And speaking of drinking, now in the state, it appears not only can I not get minis anymore, which makes me upset, yeah. uh, but now um, New Mexico is the second state to make gas stations liable for DUIs. So for those of you who are gas station owners, or for those of you who want to go down to your local gas station and pick up a six pack on the way home, I suspect with this law, if it really does hold up, I'm not seeing gas stations selling anymore, anything to drink, particularly after a long, hard day of battling the bureaucracy. Can't even get a drink at the gas station. Well, but now they're saying that, that, that's the thing. They're saying you can't even get fuel. How do you even test that? How do you even figure that out? I mean, this is one of those laws that goes through, and it makes me wonder if our representatives just show up and go, "Well, we're not really doing anything. Let's come up with something." I well, mean, that's exactly. That's I think exactly. Besides the agenda setting, right? You have you have a lot of legislators that come out and say, uh, well, I need, I need to look like I'm doing something. So I'm going to uh, create a piece of legislation that is a feel good thing that maybe really doesn't do anything and try to push it through. So I have a star next to my name, right? On the other side of it, I think you have uh, the Democrat machine that's already working on legislation for the next session, picking and choosing what they're gonna try to put through, right? Training their people. And if you watch any of the sessions you know, through the webcast while they're live, you can see who knows their stuff and who doesn't. And there's plenty of Democrats that abs- that know absolutely nothing about what they're talking about. And they'll always defer to their expert witness or they'll repeat their various talking points. We saw this in the CD1 special election with Melanie Stansberry, 
I mean, she was great on message as far as the Democrat agenda was concerned when it was going her way. But anytime that she was asked a question off the cuff or to talk in depth about anything, she just basically regurgitated the same talking points she had from before. You know, the problem is that we need to start electing smarter people to our legislature and as our representatives and administrators. It's simple as that. As far as this gas thing goes, I mean, what do you expect people to do? Are they going to install breathalyzers at the self-service pump? I mean, I get it. We've all been at gas stations. Well, I mean, that would probably yeah. add to the economy and it'd set up another government agency. Most <laughs> <laughs> likely. You got to be careful what you whisper into it. I don't think the unemployment issue, Sean. That, that's how we're going to do it. Yeah, we'll just hire everybody to test everybody for COVID and alcohol. This yeah. almost makes about as much sense as I alluded to before as, well, we're going to give anybody access to having a liquor license. But as a result of that, uh, because there are a lots of thefts, theft at local Walgreens, I, I, I kid you not, this was a story. Um, we got to get rid of these minis. These, you know, and minis, for those who don't know, are just little mini bottles of alcohol. So they think by getting rid of minis or basically prohibiting these places from selling minis that you were going to A, drive down like DUI, two, stop like th somehow stop the theft because that's the main thing that gets stolen from there. Not, not, not the fact that like the police and particularly APD um, just not to pick on one Metro have completely failed in their ability to police for this stuff. But the, the, the answer to the crime and the answer to DUI and the answer to that was to like, well, then we'll just prohibit the selling of this. I mean, let's just go on back to the prohibition and being teetotalers. If that's what we're going to, that what we're going to do. I mean, it's all silly. They can always hide behind the fact that we are awful when it comes to DUI here. And so like anything that, you know, you throw in front of it, basically DUI, just to stop DUI, you can obviously, you know, make the most draconian and silly rules. Also, we will use children as human shields to pass even more largesque for ourselves. I, I don't know, man. I can't even, if I, if I can't even get a drink while I'm filling up, um, it's not even worth living. Well, this is the thing, though, and, and it goes back to what Brett was saying earlier. We can sit here and we can talk about, oh, we need to pass a law for this. We need to pass a law for that. We need to prohibit this. We need to prohibit that. It's just like with, you know, marijuana laws. How many people did that ever stop from smoking pot? Let's be honest. Right. Zero, did, probably. It didn't. So, so again, it goes back to the economy. If you want to stop drunk driving, people should have something to live for. And having something to live for is having a job, having a purpose, having a reason to get up in the morning. Quite frankly, New Mexico has never been particularly good at providing that because we're so regulated and every, every scope of life, they destroy any sort of independent business or anything else. Yeah, they were trying to do it with the business. They were trying to do it with the marine industry. So. This is just not New Mexico. This, you know, Ben Ray Lujan has talked about this too at the federal level about mandating certain types of intoxication or uh, driver awareness technologies that will, you know, be mandated in vehicles. You know, this is going to drive up the cost of vehicles. And I said, you know, within a couple months, the, the aftermarket industry will come up with some kind of software patch to disable those technologies. This is going to uh, not really help any situation. It's going to increase the cost and pass on the cost to the consumer and really have no impact on saving lives. Going back to the mini issue, you know, the minis, I think are what, like 50 milliliters. And now the, the next size is 200 milliliters. Correct. So now you're forcing consumers to buy four times the amount of alcohol. 
you know, in a single transaction if they want to complete that purchase in the state of New Mexico? Well, I think, yeah. I think part of their thinking is probably, you know, based along the lines of that when you talk about problematic drunks, they go and they buy a bunch of minis and they don't have a lot of money because they're alcoholics. Yeah, so now so, they're getting a discount. So, yeah, because so this, so the idea is they're you're trying to price them out into higher, you know. The, again, you, you can do as much psychological manipulation as you want. And I know <laughs> that's what people are obsessed with that come up with this stuff. That's that's really what it's about. When when you talk about the DUIs at the gas stations, it's a mixture of that and then the fact that they're just always looking for a way to make money for their friends who are attorneys. Yep. Well, and that brings up, you know, one of our state representatives or state senators, Joseph Cervantes, who's made both local and national news for uh, being denied communion in the paper. He's, of course, gone after, uh, you know, the individual church. And uh, apparently, if you read the national story, there's a lot more to it than just the local story. But, you know, he, he has been part of much legislation just outside of the abortion issues. He was a one of the chief architects of the red flag gun laws that touted it as one of the most, uh, you know, shining star examples of perfect legislation in, in the nation. And yet it was amended six times, uh, you know, in the house, fixing everything from grammatical errors to legalese of significance. Um, he is an attorney. You know, you look at some of the other uh, representatives and senators, they're also attorneys. So when you start making these laws, whether it be for cannabis or alcohol or whatever, you know, you have to look at what do they have to gain in their practice or potentially gain in their practice by creating these new laws. I think that tells us a lot, a lot. Absolutely. About the nature of legislation and how it goes through. Yeah. There's a reason, there's a reason why attorneys are so common in that particular yeah. role. We need, I mean, we need less of them in government. I think at least yeah. from the representative perspective, we need common people. And that's, you know, one of the things, you know, Sean, maybe one day you'll run for office. No. You need normal people. You know, I, I've never been a politician. My focus has been on small business. I've been a small business owner for 22 years now. And, and that's why I got involved because no one's going to speak up for me. No one's going to speak up for the average New Mexican. And what we're seeing is we're just seeing a whole bunch of fluff in the, in the media about how great things are getting. You know, there was a, a restaurant in the news the other day that uh, got attacked by their community because they didn't accept phone orders. And the guy said, look, I'm a human being. I'm trying to keep up. You know, people don't want to come back to work. And mm -hmm. our governor is out there saying, oh, we're doing so great. Everything's so wonderful. Well, yeah, no, it's not. We, we've all been. Picture of her in a mask in front of some small business talking about New Mexico's open. I'm going yeah. to yell profanity. We've all been at the store. We've all waited, you know, an hour in line on the weekend to check out a Walmart. We've all sat on the phone. We've all waited in line for food at our favorite restaurants. We know that there are still issues, you know, and she posted a picture the other day about her taking calls at Workforce Solutions. I said, you really should be asking them for a new job. You know, <laughs> because, you know we're not going to stop. New Mexicans are not going to stop. Stop MLG and the Republican uh, Party is not going to stop going after this governor and making her a one term governor. I mean, I think. The more people feel the pressure and pain at home, food costs have gone up, 
gas prices have gone up. And some of these things are a national issue by the progressive agenda. Others are more reflective of the state. But these are issues that are affecting us in our pocketbooks. And it's only going to get worse under her leadership. I think that's a lesson. Everybody get involved. Do your thing. Please. You know, stop, you know. of you. And come on here and give us solutions. Every one of you. <laughs> well, once again, Brett, it's been it's been real. You always come on spitting hot fire. Uh, you have the pulse of what's going on. And yeah, stop MLG. Uh, please, we beg you. Help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks, guys. Love the show. Good night, everybody.